The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, 2019, how'd it go for you? What was it like if you had to grade it from A, B, C, D, or F? What grade would you give? For me, I'm giving 2019 a B-ish. Ish. You know, we had great high points in 2019. For me, as the rector of this parish, buying this building, woo! What an exciting season in our life together. As a dad and husband, my two oldest boys getting married, high points. I also think, though, 2019 being the first year, I had to deal with the fact that neither one of my parents were here. That was hard. It was hard more than I anticipated. But 2019 is like most years as I review my 48 and a half years. Ups and downs. Relatively normal. Relatively predictable, not the particulars, but the general way it went. Up and down, and some flat, stable months-ish, and some crazy months. 2019. As I think about 2020, I, I know there'll be some high points. Micah's got the lead in Mary Poppins this year for a musical, so we'll be flying to Oklahoma City to hear her sing. Also know that knock on pulpit wood, Gabriel's graduating in May. Right, Jean? Yeah. Wyatt's also graduating in May from Baylor. So there's going to be ups, and 2020 will also include downs. And so as we begin a, a new series of messages today, I want us to think about the normal 2020 that is upon you and will be happening to you. You're going to have a 2020 just like me. It'll have ups and downs. What difference does the fact that we believe that Christ came and he has not went make in your 2020? What difference does the fact that there is a new reality now in our living if we understand the truth of Jesus' presence with us that does not leave? We come to this text today of Jesus' baptism and it's inaugurating a new reality. The baptism of Jesus can be puzzling because we ask questions about it. What's going on? And... Jesus doesn't have any sins to be forgiven, and why is he being baptized? The simplest way to, to understand Jesus' baptism is that it was the beginning of the new day. Advent, we spent 
thinking about the new day, getting ready for the new day. Well, now the new day is here. And the baptism of Jesus is the beginning of that new day, the formal beginning. Jesus was, we think, about 30 years old. More than likely, he was born around 3 BC, the way we talk about time and date time. More than likely, around 30 years old. And the thing that's interesting about Jesus and his story is that we know his beginning, first year or two. We know about him causing his parents to have a headache when he was about 12. And then we know nothing between 12 and 30-ish. 30-ish is what we encounter here in Matthew chapter 3 and his baptism. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. The baptism of Jesus is the symbol, is the starting point of the inauguration of a new reality. The new reality that we could call many things, but the scripture, especially in the Gospels, are talking about the concept of the kingdom of God, the reign of God, the presence of God, the power of God, the reality of God. Emmanuel, God came. Emmanuel, God is with us and God will be with us as we face 2020 together. The baptism of Jesus is the inauguration of what truly is different if we have eyes to see the implications of the fact that Jesus is here today. He didn't just come, but he came and stayed. The inauguration of the new reality, though, and how Jesus inaugurates it, and how Jesus calls us to follow him each and every day, that it, is that it challenges our assumptions. It challenges our assumptions this new reality, this reality that Jesus is with you right now. His person is with you right now in the person of his Holy Spirit. It challenges our assumptions. And I was thinking about the way you feel early January about your weight. <laughs> thinking about mine and over my 25 years of being overweight. January 1 and through 15 in general, I'm, I'm pretty confident I'm going to get down to my, my uh, goal weight, you know, the weight I was when I was in 12th grade. <laughs> yeah, 185 is in my future and I'm ready for it. I've made the resolution. Am I the only one that can relate? <laughs> yeah, New Year's resolutions and some of you might be overachievers, but in general, they last till the third week of January. Because it's not easy. Our assumptions as it relates to achieving big goals for our living is that it's going to be easier than its reality. In many ways, that's what's happening in this story as Jesus is approaching John the Baptist. The text says John would have prevented Jesus saying, I need to be baptized by you. Wait a minute. 
And but 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 but, but you're coming to me. Jesus was to John in this particular context confusing to him. Jesus was confounding to John. And in many ways, I would guess 40 to 50% of the gospel, the gospel accounts and narratives are the stories of how confounding Jesus was. How easily he made people upset. How consistently he called them to see things they weren't seeing, to turn from things they didn't want to turn from, and to listen to him in ways that they weren't ready to. Confounding. I like the word confounding. To mix up. To mix together. Jesus was confounding their assumptions about what it means that God is here. And truth be told, for us to live into the new reality this year, the fact that Jesus is here, challenges our assumptions. To follow Jesus. You know, even in our religious life, we have spiritual resolutions to follow Jesus. You ever made the idea that I'm going to be real serious about Bible study this year? And then it gets hard. But for us to understand this new reality, what's different about it and how does it challenge us and how does it call us as we live into 220 to live differently, to see things differently? Three different things that I want us to think about this morning, about this new reality. Jesus is here. How does it challenge us? It begins with that the new reality is from heaven. The new reality is from heaven. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. Did you notice that Jesus is invisible? Did you notice that? Did you notice that in general, he does not speak to you in an audible voice? That your normal senses have to relate to Jesus differently than you do your friend or your spouse? We as Christians are relying on the, on the faithful witness of people who saw something funky happen. We are, we are relying on the veracity of the facts of what happened this day. And in the narrative of the Gospels themselves. And it is with great pleasure, and I've talked about this before, that the historical faithfulness, the historical reliability, the intellectual sense that, yeah, it can be trusted of what happened in the gospel is very high. Meaning our faith is not based on pixie dust and good hopes. It is based on facts, historical record, and the faithful witness of multiple people whose heads were screwed on straight, who said the same thing that confirmed and reaffirmed that what happened this day really happened. And what happened this day in particular? Jesus, like many, coming to John for baptism. Everybody before Jesus coming to John to repent, to get ready for the new day, the kingdom, the Messiah, the Christ. Jesus is coming. I am the kingdom. I am the Christ. And he goes under the water. And something happened that didn't happen to anybody else. Right? 
according to the witness, the factual observations of the rational humans that were there that day. Well, when this guy went under the water, the heavens opened. (laughs) Yeah, the heavens opened. And what else happened? Well, a dove came. That, that was like the Holy Spirit came like a dove. We're going to get to that in the next statement. But the idea that also a voice spoke from heaven. Oh, my. Oh, my. You see, the new reality of living with Jesus every day as he is, the new reality of following him in faith is that Jesus time and time again is counterintuitive. Time and time again, following Jesus is not easy, is not easily transferable, is not normal as it relates to how other people are living. To follow Jesus means you believe something is true by faith. It's faith in facts, but it's also faith. Faith that God himself from heaven came to earth and is here. Weirdo? Really? Wow. The new reality is from heaven and it's embodied in one person. The new reality is embodied in one person. And as he was going into the water... Behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God. John the Baptist saw. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. The new reality is embodied in one person. And I want us to go to a a separate space in Scripture. In John chapter 1. John is by far the weirdest gospel of the four. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all reasonably the same. Reasonably the same stories. Reasonably the same language. Most scholars think that Matthew, Mark, and Luke use the same source, which would be the gospel of Mark, which was Peter's recollections to Mark of what happened. That's the best in my opinion, the most reasonable story, because John is totally different. John, the order of events are switched up. John, things are said in John that aren't said in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And one thing that's not said is this encounter, which he doesn't even really address the baptism's facts. The Gospel of John really is not interested in facts. When it comes to this happened and this happened and she was wearing this color hat and he was wearing these kinds of shoes. Luke cares about that. John doesn't. John was a philosopher. And so he was more interested in the big picture. So, you know, John chapter 1, it, it doesn't start. It doesn't even talk. Bethlehem doesn't show up hardly in John. No, it starts with, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the word was God. And he was with God at the beginning and all things hold together. That's pretty big thinking. (laughs) But John engages the baptism story from a totally different perspective that gets to the heart of Jesus being 
the embodiment being the kingdom of God. Jesus being the new reality. Jesus being God in human flesh who came and is stayed. John chapter 1 verse 29 is where I want us to begin. So this is the baptism day. Again, John coming from a different lens. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. Huh? John the Baptist was Jesus' older cousin. Elizabeth's boy. The one that's coming is in an entirely different category. For he was before me. John will even get later in his gospel, he is the great I am. I come baptizing with water, John says. Why am I baptizing? Well, so that you will see him when he gets here. So that you might, so that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the spirit descend upon him from heaven and it remained on him. He on whom you see the spirit descend and remain This is he who baptizes with the very presence of God because he is God. And I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. And then finally, again in John 1, move all the way to verse 47. Jesus was so confounding. It's just mixing people up. What's going on? And the end of chapter one is Nathaniel. What? Nathaniel being confounded. Listen to verse 47 and following. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming towards him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, whom there, in whom there is no deceit. And Nathaniel said to him, How do you know me? You never met me. Jesus answered him, saying, Behold, Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, and I saw you there. Nathanael answered to him, Teacher, you indeed are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel, the Promised One. And Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree, do you believe? You will see much greater things than these. And he said to him, Jesus said to Nathanael, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. A reference to Jacob's ladder and the closeness of God. That there is a ladder between earth and heaven How long is that ladder? How far away is God in Jesus? Heaven 
has come to earth. The Spirit of God ascending and descending in his person. We don't need to look for God anymore because he's right here and he breathes and drinks and what? The new reality is embodied in one person and I'm going to leave this point with one final statement and it's, it's worth more in, engagement, but I want to give it to you. The new reality of the kingdom of God is embodied in persons and too often and in too many ways when we think about what it means to be a Christian or what it means to be saved, are you saved? We'll say, yeah, I have it. Yeah, I've received it. Salvation is not an it. Salvation is not an it that you receive. It is a person you see. It is a person. Jesus is your salvation. And therefore, when we come to the altar in just a few minutes, and Jesus says through his promised words, this is my body and this is my blood, it is. He's here. He's here. Now, the church argues about the philosophical details of that. I could care less. The miraculous love of God that is here and that shows up faithfully each and every day. If we have eyes to see, the salvation that we yearn for is not an it. It is a he, and he has a name, and his name is Jesus. The new reality, the new reality that we live in is from heaven. It's embodied in one person. And finally, and quickly, it's united with the one God. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And I figure since the main point of this point, John and Lee, is the Trinity, I might as well just give two minutes and solve the question of the Trinity and, and its meaning. And Don't you think two minutes should be enough? Absolutely. Yeah. All right, you ready? The new reality is that we have the privilege of living in stunned awe every day. <laughs> you see, we don't see the Trinity showing up all around Scripture, and that's why it took 300-ish years for the church to get really, really clear. But we see the Trinity in the baptism story, don't we? Explicitly in the baptism story. The Son of God, the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and the voice of the Father speaking from heaven. The new reality is, as Rudolf Otto would say in Latin, and so I'm going to say it wrong, don't tell anybody at Neshoda, is mysterium tremendum, is a tremendous mystery, is an oh my goodness, what have we just seen? You're kidding me. Oh, Christmas. He came, and he did not leave.